Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, men and women of all countries and planets. And to those fabulous 15 countries who listen to this show, thank you for coming back and tuning in to another episode of Comics and Pop Charts. I'm your host, Inevitable Mike. If you haven't signed up already, go hit ink.pub slash wildoni. Sign up. We are launching tomorrow. Tomorrow. But today, Tokyo Detectives is live on, on Kickstarter. And we're here to talk to Mr. Todd Black, the creator of this wonderful, awesome manga that has been brought to my attention. How you doing, sir? Happy to be here, Michael. Uh, it's nice to meet you, man. Nice um, to meet you. Fabulous, fabulous uh, manga that you've created. Uh, I'm very um, ple- pleased to announce that um, volume, I think I think you sent me volume one? Yeah. Correct. Will be available as a stretch goal in the Wild Only campaign, um, which we will pass the word along about yours before it rightfully ends in the next several days. So um, you're doing a pretty good job. You're funded, but you still got you still got goals, so I'm sure you still want to hit all those ceilings. Yes. So, what um, what was your goal when you first started uh, making Tokyo Tokyo Detective? Was it a thing of passion, or was there I want to make it type of mindset going into it? There, there was a little bit of both going on. Um, the idea, I, I, I always love telling the story. It was actually because of a Facebook meme. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. So here's what happened. It was I don't remember the year. I think maybe like 2016, I think. And I was uh, I was on Facebook and I was just doom scrolling as you do. <laughs> and I saw this thing. It was, what is your anime title? You know, like mm. we had to like put the letters of your name and blah blah blah. And yeah. so I'm like, you know, I like anime a lot. Let, let's let's do this. So it was it first letter of your first name T. First letter of your last name. The last letter of your first name, D. Tokyo Blade Detectives. I'm like, okay, that sounds cool. And so at the time, Deadpool had like just come out or whatever the movie, yeah. and yeah. in the in the movie was the line, Deadpool sounds like a franchise. So I went, Tokyo Blade Detectives sounds like a franchise, and I hit the comment and I left the page. I was done. That was it. And come back a few late hours later, and I get a comment. Uh, reply and I'm like I have no idea who this person is so I clicked on it and it's that meme again and it goes the guy went, found my comment and said you know what that does sound like a franchise you should run with it I'm like okay let's see what I can think up and so I'm like okay well Tokyo it's in Japan uh, detectives modern day but Blade Blade was throwing me off and so I'm like how do I do a comic about blades in the modern day and then that's when the line came out of in a world where or, or sorry in a land where guns are outlawed only the blade can rule mm. and i'm like oh okay and right then like the floodgates opened and i had so many ideas i had so many ideas like i literally had to like open up microsoft word and just write them all down so i didn't forget them <laughs> and i was just like oh this is really good i should run with this let's see what they can do and it took me a while because i uh i was doing other comic projects at the time so I had, it took me a while but the, the passion was absolutely there and then when I did get the chance to do it, it took me a couple of months to find the right artist, uh, La Move On and once we did and we started making it, I just knew that I had to get this made as soon as possible and we have and 
Uh, the Kickstarter we have up right now is for issue number eight, the end of volume two. And all past issues are available in the Kickstarter. So it's the perfect time to catch up. And I'm, I'm just amazed we got to eight issues thanks to Kickstarter. Yeah, that's incredibly an astonishing feat for any creators because um, mostly we attribute those feats to large publishers, right? They never say, they always say never make more than like three or four issues as an independent creator because between you and I, we know that each issue costs maybe three, $5,000 uh, to produce. And that's, that's not including like, you know, if you wanted to get an editor or maybe if you did the traditional route, you went inker, uh, penciler, inker, colorer, or if you just did straight digital, or if you were lucky enough to find somebody, you know, in a different country who had all the skill sets that an inker, a penciler and a colorer has, but maybe did it for 75% marginal of the price. So it's it's actually really cool. And if, if if anybody listening would like to jump on this, it's there's a few days left, but you can get the whole series, a physical set of the series for thirty bucks. Or digitally for ten. That is that is generous of you. I, I want people <laughs> I want people to read the comic. I mean that that's the easiest thing is that with the digital rewards, my only thing is I have to just email them. So like yeah. that's okay. I just write an email. That's so easy. So if you want to pledge ten bucks to get all eight issues, I I will do I will do that. That's a simple price thing for me. That's that's awesome. And you, and you mentioned that you've been you know working on other comics before. I see here you got uh, comics called uh, Guardians. It looks like you did a Sherlock Holmes. Uh, there's one of the Thousand Miles. Can you, can you talk about your previous comics experience? Yeah. Well, I started with a superhero series called Guardians. We made about twenty issues of that. So, yeah, I really didn't listen to those other people. Uh, <laughs> but I wrote the reason that that's my longest series so far is that I grew up on superheroes. So that's like right. all, not all I knew, but that's what I liked to think about and picture and everything. So I went that for a long time. And then after a while, I realized that while I was getting sales, I like other stories and other people like other stories and not everyone's going to want to check my superhero series because of Marvel and DC and other properties and all that. So I'm like, okay, let's try something else. And so Oni press was doing uh, a competition to get some uh, new books out. And so I pitched two things to them. It didn't get accepted. So I was just like, I'm fine. I'll do it myself. Pulled the whole Thanos thing complete with infinity gauntlet. No, I'm kidding. This is long before that movie. Um, but I was I, I made Home, which is a sci-fi fantasy miniseries, and I did Ten Thousand Miles, which I like to call my, my Disney Pixar adventure. And then I uh, started writing Sherlock Holmes novels, all of which are on mm-hmm. Amazon. Then I just started kept I just kept finding new stories to make. I uh, I work on a science based series called Seekers of Science with two incredible people, Tara Roberts and Dr. Trace Panara. Uh, we just finished up issue five recently. We'll help to get that out there there soon. Uh, I worked with, you know, AEW? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I worked with Thunder Rosa on a comic about her life. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was looking at that. I was like, oh, man, she looks familiar. And I saw Thunder Rosa. I'm like, no, nah, man, I don't have to ask that during the interview. Yeah, I, <laughs> I got to work with her in a we told like her whole life story from being from Tijuana, Mexico, coming to America and eventually becoming AEW women's world champion. So and she was incredible to work with. She really enjoyed it. And I'm actually just to put the vibes out there. I'm trying to work with AEW on a series called AEW origins. And I actually did a Twitter thread about this a week or so ago. And the response was huge. Like, I'm talking like super huge. But AEW has not contacted me yet. So if you, yes, you listening at home like AEW want to see an AEW comic, 
uh, tag Tony Khan and AEW and say, contact me at, at, at Guardians underscore comic and use the hashtag AEW Origins because I really want to do this. So, and like, that's a passion project, Michael. That's a passion project. Yeah, it is, man. And with the announcement for uh, for TKO and those all those companies merging, now is a good time to man, to jump in on some history. Yeah. I've uh, I backed most of the stuff that's come out of uh, the AEW projects, like Butts and Seats with Tony Schiavone. I backed that one. Yeah, Dirk, Dirk Manning's a friend of mine, and uh, he's great. That's awesome, dude. Those books are so cool. They are. Um. I tried to I tried to reach out to Dirk Manning and get an interview, possibly with Tony, but I I they're they're incredibly busy and I never broke through because I don't have the PR strength. So <laughs> he's he really is busy. He is he is absolutely he's the indie him, if you will. All right, like that's that is who Dirk is. He's that good. So damn, that's that's really awesome because I have a lot of grassroots history in my past for like pro wrestling, and I almost got my athletic license when I was in my twenties, but. Uh, ultimately decided to choose the family dynamic instead of the self-serving dynamic that a lot of wrestlers choose to go into that profession. So uh, still followed it all these years, but that's so awesome. So at its core, what can you, what can you tell us? Like what's the elevator pitch to, to Tokyo detective? All right. So Tokyo blade detectives is set 200 years in the future. Japan's been burned to the ground by war, rebuilt with technology and to try and stem the, stem the madness, they make a law that no one can break. No guns allowed. But this makes a power vacuum. So they make laser swords. Yes, <laughs> laser swords to fight back. And this gives rise to five factions who are trying to overthrow the government. Tokyo is in a perpetual state of chaos, and the citizens are just trying to make it through every day. One such citizen is a 16-year-old detective named Nico, who in the first arc gets a case that will change everything. Hmm. Yeah. And as I said, this is my this is this is a, like a love letter to anime and everything that I adore about it in Japan in general. Um, there are numerous references to various parts of Japanese culture in the book, including uh, we were talking about AEW. Let's talk about a little bit about WWE. I actually have a character named the Empress who was inspired by Asuka. Ah, yes, because Asuka's great. Asuka's awesome. <laughs> She's a, she is totally have a crush on her. Um, but like I, I, she's called the Empress of Tomorrow. I'm just like, uh, I definitely need that kind of a flashy character in the game <laughs> in my book. So she's the Empress, <laughs> and it's she's great to write. But, I was uh, curious how you were how you were going to avoid the the armistice on swords because swords have been banned in Japan. Like you can't own them unless you're like producing a movie or if you have like special clearance. And it's it's like that way for guns now in modern day, like all the way around. Like Japan's one of the one of the countries in the world that doesn't have weapons unless you are uniformed to have them, like military, police, uh, or high-ranking officials or yeah. officials. So, but it's, it's it's the future, and like, and as I noted, they they've been through a lot in these two hundred years between like where we are now and where they're going to be in the future. So, you know, laws have changed, and right. <laughs> the things have happened. Sixteen-year-olds can now be detectives. Oh yeah, like that's that's honestly one of the things that I get asked about the most is like, wait, she's sixteen and she's a detective. I'm like, yeah, why? Why not? It's anime. (laughs) (laughs) Do do we need to remind people that in a Full Metal Alchemist, Edward or Edward Elric is like how old and he's a state-sponsored alchemist? He's a kid. He's yeah. a bratty teen, and yet he's like the most powerful alchemist in the world. If you got skills, you're gonna use them. That's just how life works. 
Yeah, and his brother's a nine foot hulking piece of of armor and tech, yeah. and he's nine and a half or some shit. <laughs> like, so I was like, it's anime. Anything is possible. Okay. I, I think Americans get hung up on those uh, the superhero tropes when it comes to comics, and we always find ourselves in the in the um in the conversation of uh, if superheroes had kids and it was like the X-Men, right? Where like the genes passed over and the kids get powers and yeah. kind of looks like Disney Pixar's fucking Incredibles. Like how responsible would it be for your children to, 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 or for you as a parent to let your children go fright crime in your place or with your children? <laughs> well, as, as in all things, it would be about context and who the parents were and everything. And, you know, like this is this would be a deep philosophical issue. If you could talk about another episode. <laughs> it's very, very, very true, very true. Um, and you haven't been alone in this process, right? Um, and it's incredibly hard, from my experience, to keep a creative team together for eight issues outside of, you know, publisher marketing, fu money. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about your creative team? Yeah, so uh, I've had a revolving door of editors just because, like you said, it's really hard to keep somebody for a long time. But my current one, is his name is Matt Shore. He's a really good friend of mine, also a comic creator, so I trust him with opinions and such. And then my artist is Lam Vivon. Uh, I met him online at a Facebook group, ironically enough. And he's he's been he's been consistent. He's been open to changes. He does really great stylized art, as I, as I know you saw from Volume 1. He's, yeah. like, really great with with showing off the laser swords <laughs> and uh yeah this book only looks as great as it does because of love and i'm eternally grateful to him and garcia and and, and shore oh yeah they... well matt shore as i said was the editor alex garcia is my cover artist and he's actually an artist i use for various other series including uh guardians ten thousand miles thunder rosa he drew that and others like Alex is my go-to artist, but I need I, I knew I needed someone new for Tokyo. That's when I got Lom. Yeah, it looks incredibly well done. Like this, that I'm I feel like I'm looking at um storyboards for an anime series. Thank to you. Be um, have you thought about pitching the eight issues to a publisher in the future? I have published the first volume, um, to uh, some people. I won't say who, but uh. I didn't, I didn't get a it, it, I either didn't get a response or I got a one sentence rejection email that made me feel good uh, <laughs> yeah it happens I know but uh, I, I will probably pitch it again because uh, once volume two is done I'm going to be taking a little break so I can focus on other comic projects which is what I did after volume one right. so I'll have time to say like hey publishers here's some you know really cool comics I've got a following I, you know, I average 100 backers on Kickstarter for each book and let's try and you know, do something. And I know that there are some publishers out there who have grown their manga or anime style books. So like Dark Horse or Image. So there is there's potential out there. But uh, the ultimate goal is to get an anime adaptation, which right. I'm actually making small efforts to try and put into the world in my own way. So I, I recommend a pitch deck. Maybe. <laughs> I recommend a pitch deck and um, find an indie animator who can make you about two and a half minutes of like a trailer. That's and... actually what I'm doing. Okay. okay. We're, we're, we're making the intro theme song video for Tokyo Play Detectives. Absolutely, man. I'd love to see this on like Hulu or Crunchyroll or something. Well, you could see, you were talking about storyboards earlier. We have the storyboards for the video on the Kickstarter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, is that what the video is? Yeah. Okay. 
We we yeah. I had a full I had a storyboard I was full on animate the uh, intro sequence and then I have a, currently have an anime team right now, uh, working on it. So, see, I'm just gonna shut the fuck up. My need to help people all the time, and you got this, man. You 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 ahead of the curve. You know what you need to do. <laughs> well, I'm trying. What, what, just because I know what I need to do doesn't mean it'll actually get done. Right? I mean, that's that's the indie struggle right there. Well, yeah, but you know, in worst case scenario, is you come back to crowdfunding, and instead of promoting a comic, you're promoting the startup. You know, post funds you need to turn it into an anime. You know, Black Stands went through the same uh, growing pains, and then they turned in to be like a one point five million dollar you know animation slash publishing licensure business. Nice, and they're still doing they're still doing good things. So it it can happen. It's got to be persistent. That is that is the word that defines my comics career as persistent because <laughs> I have been promised the world. I kid you not. I've been promised the world by so many people, including in a couple of people with the big two and people with like lesser, not lesser, uh, mid tier. It sounds so insulting. Uh, other publishers. Let's just say it that. Uh, okay. Like I literally had a guy like that one. Remember that one uh, sent interjection email. I mm. had a friend who goes, dude. I know the dude at at this place and. He'll love this. You send it, you'll get accepted. I guarantee it. And like, okay. So I sent it to him, to the person he told me to, who is his friend, quote unquote. And then I get the one sentence rejection email. He goes, oh man, it must have not been a good fit. I was like, you didn't say that. You said it was a guarantee. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell me it's not a guarantee. It's, it's guarantee if it's not a guarantee. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I've had the heads of, I have had the literal heads of certain comic companies tell me that they're going to look at my stuff and get back to me. Or that they were gonna like really try to hire me for something and it never works out and I hate it, but I keep pushing forward and I have now almost fifty comics under my name, six Sherlock Holmes novels. Third with this book will be uh, fourteen successful Kickstarters in a row. Mm. So if nothing else, I am trying. It's <laughs> a hell of a it's a hell of a draw sheet, man. Like mine's not even that big yet. And you got to work with Thunder Rosa. That's that was awesome. really cool. You, you, Do you want to know how that one came about? Because that's another hilarious story. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So uh, during the birth era, I guess, of AEW, I was right. asked by certain friends that I had met, including a person I had met at a live show, uh, to like join them on a podcast and i was like oh, that's totally cool i'll totally do that so we did the thing and then we started this twitter chat just to hang out talk aew it, it was really fun and eventually when thunderosa showed up to challenge akara Shida, uh who's also i also have a crush on uh i, I think i have a type <laughs> epic <laughs> epic japanese woman that could break me in half um and i probably enjoy it but uh i when Benarosa showed up, I honestly didn't know who she was because I this was still my I'm still learning about the rest of the wrestling world at okay. the time. You know, I had watched like Lucha Underground and Impact Wrestling, including yeah. was TNA. I had never really watched New Japan outside of like one Wrestle Kingdom. That's because somebody pirated it for me. <laughs> yeah. And so but one of my friends in the group was a huge Thunder Rosa fan. She goes, Todd, why don't you, you did that, that whole AEW comic. I did an original AEW comic, then AEW Origins. Uh, I'm trying, Michael, I'm trying. Uh, and so I, uh, then she goes, hey, why don't you ask Thunder Rosa if you could make a comic for her? And I'm like, well, she does seem epic, but how would I contact her? And she goes, oh, well, there's an email on her website. Okay. So I go to the website. <laughs> 
And sure enough, there's an email for business inquiries or whatever, contact, blah, blah, blah. So I send an email, say, hey, Thunder Rosa, my name's Todd Black, I'm a comic writer, um, really think you're awesome. You know, maybe you want to do a comic about your life story or something. So I send the email off and I go back into the chat group and I go, okay, guys, send the email. I probably won't hear back from her. Five minutes later, Thunder Rosa replied, hey, Todd, that's a great idea. When should we meet? <laughs> Why, why, why can't it always be that easy? Oh, right. Like, why can't you just like, hey, Marvel, I got this great manga idea. You're expanding already. Yeah. You've already on 16 feet at my local bookstore. Yeah. And, hey, and, and, or, or, or Tony Khan. Hey, I got this freak. I, I made this comic. I actually did tag him in that thread I mentioned. Hey, hey, Tony Khan, here's this comic. Why don't you just hire me? That's a great idea, Todd. You're hired. <laughs> I want that so bad. So... So I have I have a friend that used to live in Florida, and her cousin came down one day, and we were we uh we we've been writing since college, and we continue to write. We're actually working on an anthology for some of my superhero characters that I'm gonna adapt into a comic later. But to save on production and time, we're gonna turn it into an an a novelist anthology. So she we were talking one night, and her cousin was over. I'm like, oh, what's your cousin do? And she's like, he kind of helps write AEW shows. And I was like, oh, really? Because I have some idea. <laughs> so I don't want to pull the rug out from under you and promise you any guarantees. However, I will work some magic with my friend to see if I can get her cousin's email. And then I will pass it off to you in hopes that you can do something with this AEW origins thing. I think that'd be really cool. Well, not that I would want to put you in a position to, you know, boast something that you'd never seen before. But if you, if you randomly just happen to check our Facebook chat, you'll see the AEW origins comic link in the chat. <laughs> so, uh, so you can read it and then hand it off to said person who hopefully will help me get a job at AEW. Uh, oh, there it is. <laughs> nice. I was like, I, I am ready. Man, like this is this is this is the passion coming to you. Like I am ready. <laughs> you know how many times I've been turned I've been turned down by a WWE creative. I guess um, the to be a writer with their organization, you actually you have to submit that you will relocate to their headquarters, and you first plies. I guess that you have to be there to get first dibs on any job opening. So I've been turned down by the writer's assistant position for the last six years, a total of fourteen times. <laughs> I even said relocate on 10 of them. So, <laughs> um, persistence, yeah, persistence, yeah. absolutely. You're, you're, you are the cornerstone of persistence, I think. Trying 50 plus comic books. I mean, aside from like all the failed stuff, I mean, I don't think it's a failure not to be published by Oni or to be published by Man Cave or not to be published by Top Cow especially Top Cow, as old as they are. They're still mid-tier. I don't care who, who disagrees with that. They're a great group of guys, and they run yeah. every year, but they don't have the FU money that DC and Marvel does, and they're just kind of like monopolizing the industry, which kind of turns people off who have moral and ethical values. Like, why, why would you want to work for them anyway just so you can write Iron Man, make your own Iron Man? So I think you're doing a great job. Man. But, and that is a way to oh, think about it, you know. Yeah, all I ask is that I pass this off and channels get open and you, you know, you bring me with you so we can be happy about it together. It, it, <laughs> I, I legit, it, like, I, for the record, so you can tell this to your friend or cousins, whatever. 
I have a business plan, and part of the business plan is me not writing everything myself. So I will need a writing team. So if you want to be, if you help me get the job, you're you're in the group, dog. Cool. Can uh can I tell you something else that because I know this is supposed to be about Tokyo Detective, but we're getting off. The oh show. yeah, <laughs> we're supposed to be that. Sorry, dream job potential. <laughs> it happens. Um, <laughs> I uh, I interviewed Daniel Garcia. I don't know if you're familiar with his name. The wrestler. Um, the, uh, the creator of Zyber Ronin for Dang Comics. Uh, I'm not familiar with him, no. Okay, so he told me a story about, um, how he met Cody Rhodes. <laughs> He's, uh, friends with one of Cody Rhodes' father's, uh, friend's fathers. And, and he told me about it, and I was flabbergasted. And he says they talk on a regular basis, so... <laughs> I know he works for WWE, but everybody talks to everybody, regardless of what brand they wrestle for. So, eh, chances. Let me keep that on them. This is probably going to be what I do this evening, is, is make a lot of e- email inquiries. <laughs> Whatever it takes, man. I'm, I'm super excited about it now. Yeah. Hey, I, 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 if you help me with this, I will repay the favor. That is, that is just how I work. So, Awesome. That's, that's also how I work. Yeah. So... It's getting off the AW train and back to Tokyo Detective. Sure, why not? It's only the reason I'm here. <laughs> when you say take a break, do you mean like take like the rest of the year off and you can get back at it in January? Or is the idea to fund with what you got and continue on, I don't know, maybe a slower process for, for Detective Tokyo Detective 3? What I'm going to do, like I did with the first volume, is I'm going to take like a year off. And mm-hmm. this just gives it time to, A, sell the book of cons. True. Because- that way I can help build the fan base even greater, especially now that I've reopened my newsletter. Um, second, I have other stories that I want to make, not just AEW Origins, <coughs> but I've got a, a heist comic that I want to finish, or like I said, we're working back on Secrets of Science. Um, there's this new mystery miniseries that I want to write, and I, and I feel like I get it done in a year, but I don't want to overexert myself, if you will. Plus, with the animation that is going on that I mentioned, uh, it tentatively will be done in about April-ish. So if that is the case, and it looks great, which I'm praying, Michael, that it is, um, then, I, then I'll have months to use that as a promotion tool for the series so that more people will potentially jump in when Volume 3 comes around. So it's a, you know, juggling multiple things and all that, but... Uh, the break is just good also for me as a writer because that way I can focus on other things and not just be uh, not stuck, but focused intently on one thing versus all the other stories that I want to get out of my head. And uh, again, it allows it to breathe. Then I'm not just, you know, one Kickstarter after another, after another, after another, I'm taking time and doing other things to, uh, you know, broaden my appeal and reach to other people. Like I'm writing another novel right now. It's a completely different uh, genre. And I'm hoping to debut that next year. So there's always something in the works. But by taking this model, I give people a break. And then when they come back, like, oh, yeah, Tokyo's back. And then hopefully they all return to pledge. Oh, okay. I see. So it's like, it's like dating someone. And then it's really cool at first. And then, like, you don't want to overexert it. So you, like, snop out the, like, the, the new feels. So you just kind of, like, back off a little bit. I've so been single like... for 30 years. So I'm really not able to comp- comment on this. <laughs> You've mastered self-mastery. Is that, is that what you're saying? <laughs> or you could just say I'm a hermit. Either way, I don't care. I mean, you put out a lot of 
a lot of content, so I can only imagine that time is all you have. So you'd be surprised. <laughs> I, I am surprised to, to mentor me. <laughs> if, if you get me hired by AEW, sure. <laughs> I do not have the I do not have the creative capacity yet. I don't think, uh, but that's okay because you know everybody's got you know their own journey, their own set of parameters. Everybody needs to learn what they need to learn at the exact moment they need to learn it. So. And that that is honestly if. if... Aside from, you know, backing my Kickstarter, if no one takes anything else from this podcast, that should be the lesson. Because yeah. every person, whether they're big time, indie legends or whatever, they all have their own path. And, you know, the path to get to Tokyo Blade Texas number eight was not easy, full of stress. I'm surprised I still have my luscious hair, and <laughs> which you can see in the Kickstarter video. Um and you know, I never thought, hey, I'm going I'm making an anime trailer. Like, this is cool. I never thought I would be able to do that if you in issue one. But I was like, you know what, screw it, let's do it. And I found some really passionate people and I think it might be good. But I if, but if I tried to rush it early on, it probably would have backfired on me horribly. So, you know, things happen for a reason, even if we don't like it. Um, you know, the rejections happen, the process, if you will, happens and we just need to keep pushing forward, keep persisting, and keep trying. And some, and eventually, we'll hit what we need to, or we won't. That's just how life works. I think there's a reason why I haven't been picked up by a major publisher, and I think it's because of that. You that might... that was all this jealous of my hair. <laughs> Jealousy <laughs> is real, people. <laughs> I'm slightly curious about your hair. Is, is that is that on purpose the style the do i mean i, I just love my hair you just love your hair yeah i don't want i it's it hasn't been cut in four years so okay yeah that's what's up thank you yeah it's it's, it's nice thank i mean you. definitely gets you noticed like hey that guy. Yeah, i have had many 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 compliments about my hair over my comics <laughs> career and when i've mentioned potentially cutting it it goes no dude that's your trademark <laughs> like the hair yeah <laughs> well You'll be different. I don't think it worked for Carrot Top, but people still remember Carrot Top for his hair. This is true. So, so keep keep pushing it, man. I am <laughs> with confidence. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. Now, if you don't mind, I, going back to Kickstarter really quick as we head towards the back end of our show. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, your show. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> I do want to talk about some of the rewards that are offered. Uh, we only talked yeah. about them lightly. Um, if you like, like we said, if you're new to the franchise, you can get everything digitally for ten bucks, or everything physically for thirty. We mentioned all the uh, books I've made in the past. We have a fifteen dollar reward tier, where you can pledge fifteen dollars and you'll get basically every series, every book, every novel I have ever made sent digitally right to you for fifteen dollars. So, so in this case, it's like forty five plus books. So for fifteen bucks, that's that's pretty good. I like to think. Um, you, if you want to be drawn into the book, we have some reward tiers for that. I actually had a reward tier where you get beat up in the book, and that went sold out in like two days. So <laughs> that was actually pretty funny. <laughs> like it's it's a new dominatrix. Uh, I think it's like did it's like uh, it's like being illustrated il illustrated humility illustration humility. Yeah. Yeah, and, and to be clear, this isn't a dominatrix. You get beaten up by a, like a very muscular dude in a in a uh, like an octagon, but people want to get beat up, so they pledged whatever. And uh, I'll also I also have two reward tiers where I will help you, the listener, 
make comics. I can review a script that you're passionate about. You want to know if you can take it to the next step, or I will help you like find an artist, set up a Kickstarter, uh, you know, give you tips on promotion from what little I actually know. And I will help you make your own comics journey. So check out the reward tiers. We, I have a lot to offer and I hope you'll give my series a chance because I really do believe in it. That's awesome. Thank you. 45 books for 15 bucks. Yeah, digitally, but yes. <laughs> Barnes and Nobles is closing tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we're going out of business. Todd just he cornered everything. Like, we're done. We're done. We're so done. Okay, I know that. I know you're just joking, but like their anime section, like their anime manga section is huge. Right? Like they they got so much going on in series that I don't even want to think about reading because of the content. But like they have it, so I give them props. They have a massive section. Yeah, I like I like manga. Nothing against manga, and I, I've read quite a few. I've read some of the, the unique things that I've found at like Target and stuff that were interesting. <laughs> But I just I hate the fact that it's like slowly like a like an amoeba or a, a parasite has grown over the comics. And I know that's not like a it's not like a an economic foretelling of like, oh, comics is going away. It's just the industry is shifting and we're watching it in full motion. And it's, yeah. it's hard to it's hard to watch our local bookstores, even the bigger chains, not not pivot with the American comics industry to hold more than, you know, the, the five of the biggest publishers for comics. Like it's very rare that you ever see like top cow on a shelf or, uh, I haven't even seen a mad cave book on a shelf. Um, most of theirs is sold online. So I, I wouldn't like it to a parasite. I like it to more just general evolution. You know, Maybe. not Maybe. like not like with anime, how in like the 90s, it was you were niche if you liked anime, like you, you liked Dragon Ball, you liked Pokemon, maybe you liked Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, the general ones, like the ones that everyone would watch because of like Toonami. But then you fast forward to like 2010s, thanks to Attack on Titan, and all of a sudden the floodgates open and like all these anime are coming out of everywhere and like everyone's watching it you know everyone's watching my hero academia everyone's watching jujitsu kaisen or chainsaw man how that blew up you know um that those these those shows would never have survived back in the 90s given where everything was because of how anime was perceived and now it's beloved anime is like one of the biggest things in the entire world it's the same thing with manga in my opinion because now that people like oh, the animes are great. Maybe I should go and read the manga. And the mangas are just keep growing and expanding. And they're, they have a model that works. They have models decades proven, like without a comic crash, unlike the, unlike the West. Yeah. So, you know, they know they can do it. They know they can make it work. They have the publications to make it work. And they have the anime adaptations, which will bolster their work. Like when Spy X Family came out, that's another great example. Spy X Family came out, their book sales skyrocketed. Because everyone's like, oh, this is such an adorable show. Let me see what the original stories were like, you know, and that's going to bolster the anime, which bolsters the book and vice versa. So and on and on it goes. So a, a lot of people have a misconception about the West with that. Oh, but the MCU and the Batman uh, movies and everything like those will bolster the comics. Not as much as you think, <laughs> because it's not the same. It's not a one to one 
adaptation, unlike with anime most times. And so there's almost not a need to go and read the comics versus just watching the movie and enjoying the popcorn flick. Right. So so the man- the manga adaptations for for most anime from manga are pretty accurately adapted. 9, nine times out of 10. The okay. only exceptions ironically are uh like the movies that are made, like Dragon Ball Z. Like mm. they they had so many non-canon movies that people are like, "Wait a minute, that's non-canon? That's non-canon?" Uh Was non-canon? Huh? Was Brody non-canon? Broly? Bro- yeah, Broly. The original Broly movies were then okay. uh, they were so non-canon that Akira Toriyama actually forgot Broly existed. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a joke. He look look it up. He forgot Broly existed. And he's like, oh, maybe I should bring back Broly. And so the sec, the third actually, the third Broly movie with Dragon Ball Super, that's canon. And then, uh, or Dragon Ball's uh, Super Superhero, which is a terrible title, um, that technically was non-canon until they went back into the manga and made it canon. Mm, so they okay. made the movie before they made the manga. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it bounces back. It does. And uh, the upcoming uh, Dragon Ball Daima, which they announced at New York Comic Con, which is, again, further proof of anime's dominance. It's at New York Comic Con and getting a big panel. Um, that's technically non-canon, but it will likely get a manga adaptation later. So mm. they, can te- they can go out of order because they know that the other side will be developed eventually. And that's just think, that's just their cycle and it works for them. I think the I think their 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 secret is is the four act structure which I adore. I've been trying to I've been trying to learn how they really do that cuz most western stuff is formulaic. Um especially if you get into like uh, if you dip into like the suspense and the mysteries and stuff it's just a matter of arrangement and then how you set the tone and the pace Fair. that it, you know makes you gasp as you read or oh man i didn't see it coming yeah uh, you could tell that in like tv shows but that sometimes it just feels so genuine and fluid in, in manga because of the four act structure that you really don't you really don't know sometimes it, it's almost like it's effortless for them to move things around to to really finesse the big reveals that you see in like page turns for western comics or even on the tv shows yeah it's an interesting topic uh, of the of discussion and, and and logistical analysis comparing the two. I, I just I don't know. Honestly, I haven't read enough Western comics to be upset about it. <laughs> I Maybe read them every week. <laughs> me that wants to go to a local bookstore and just like pick up a comic when I you know I just like oh man I should have just took a left and went to the comic book shop. <laughs> I understand. I remember when they had uh, comics at Treasure Hut. So, like, 50 cents to a dollar, but I guess those days are long gone. They could come back. You never know. Well, it depends. If the comic book ever crashes like it did back in the 90s, maybe. Maybe people will be wiping their asses with Western comic book pages. We'll see. Time will only tell. I never believe in the end of worlds. All the comics industry is going away. If anything, uh, Kickstarter didn't save anything. It all all it did was just gave us an extra tool to make more. Yeah, and, with... and people are using that tool. And I Absol- and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Kickstarter. That's just the truth. Absolutely, it's been a great tool for everybody. Not just not just Kickstarter, Indiegogo, yep. Crowdfunder, um, Fund My Comic, which is a new one that Mike Barron's been on, uh, been helping them grow, and then Zoop, the guys 
I believe they left from another crowdfunder or a publisher and they started their own. So the Zoop the, and then uh, Backer Kit, I believe. Yeah, and popular one. I don't know if I'm missing any. I think those are the big five. Yeah. And it's really cool. Do you plan on rolling any of this over on any of those other crowdfunding platforms? I've never done that. Um, it's not that I don't trust them or whatever. It's just Kickstarter has like been my go-to since home. And so you like have 14 straight Kickstarter campaigns with them. Um, I'm not opposed to it. It's just for me, I, I'd rather just, you know, get it funded to make the comic and then work on the next one. So, you know, maybe, maybe in the future, you never know. More passion than business. I've never been good on the business. I, they, I like, I hate to joke back about this, but AW origins, like what I'm so passionate about that one. <laughs> I actually went into the business side and like, okay, how do I explain this to show that I'm actually thinking about this from the business sense and not just, Hey, this is a cool comic we should make. I have a plan. Michael, right. I have a plan. <laughs> If if you if you did it well enough, you could execute it to where if if you had the the right team of people, you could put out a comic a week for every show that they have. I I won't I won't explain the full plan, but I have a plan, Michael. Here, <laughs> okay. I, I feel like I'm hitting some 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 nails there on the head. No, you're you're you have a general idea, but you're not in the scope of where I am right now. Okay, that's okay. I'll make my phone calls and something happens and you'll fill me in. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but last minute remarks. I, I did do uh, a market study on Kickstarter because I, I, I do uh, a lot of marketing with Ink, Ink, uh, Ink Studios, which we handle a lot of comic creator campaigns and stuff. Make videos for them. We help them promote. We help build a Kickstarter to to our own our formula set we help people you know, give ideas for tiers and stuff and i've actually seen a graphic novel be rolled over on kickstarter make twenty nine thousand, rolled over onto indiegogo make another 32 and then rolled over onto zoop almost made another 30 almost gross 90 and if you take out the three the six and the four percent for all those platforms you walked away with almost you know what a half of what you know a doctor makes maybe what a paralegal makes at a really good law firm a year and just inside of 90 days. And I thought that was impressive. So every time I, I run into another creator, I always ask them, you plan on rolling that over? Maybe with the next one, because that one will be a little more, a good one to test, let's just say. Because it'll, be, it'll in- be a graphic novel versus a two-volume series. Got you, yeah. got you. More more, uh, more volume, max price. Exactly. It, it'd be interesting to know the results. Yeah. Because I plan on doing that with my my issue one. I know it's not going to move very fast or maybe make a whole lot as much as like a graphic novel would, but it'd be interesting to know what types of what types of people prefer Indiegogo versus Kickstarter. Because I've heard there's an argument that you know there's there's a certain camp of people on Indiegogo, there's a certain camp of people who like Kickstarter. There might be a certain camp of people who like Zoot, Crowdfunder, Backer Kit. You never know until you try. You never know until you try. Yeah. So man, I I do appreciate you coming on tonight. <laughs> You you're a fresh a breath a fresh a breath air. I don't know if I said that correctly. Breath of fresh air. Breath of fresh air. Thank you so much. That's why I'm the writer. (laughs) Today's been so nuts. Um, thank you for talking about Tokyo or Tokyo Detective Man, and for letting me you know use the PDF on 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 the Kickstarter for Wild Oni. I hope it goes well. Super awesome for issue eight, man. And then all the stuff you've done thus far, it's nice to learn a bit more about you and for you to add, for us to add some value to other journeys out there of creators who may or may not be listening, not just in our country, but in other countries as well. 
So uh, any last regards or ways that people can connect with you on uh, on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Guardians underscore comic. I'm also on Global Comics under Black Magic Wolf Productions. You can find most of my books there, including the first volume of Tokyo Blade Detectives. I will be uploading volume two when it is finished. Um, just... You know, those are the, those are the main reasons. And again, Tokyo Blade Detectives number eight is going to be on Kickstarter until October thirty first at five p.m. Central Standard Time. So please, if you want to check out the series, get your pledges in before then. I'd really appreciate it. Awesome, man! And tonight's lesson, everybody, like Todd said, is persistence. Persistence. <laughs> I'm Inevitable Mike, the host of the Comics and Pop Tarts podcast channel. This is Todd Black, the creator and and, and humble, lovely hair man. Uh, I'm not humble about my hair. I'm I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not humble about my hair. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know. I wanted you to say that though. Great ah. hair man of Tokyo Detective, Todd Black. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. Don't forget, guys, never, never ask for permission today for what you can create tomorrow and share with the world. Your voice can be heard. Have a good one. Till next time. Hello, my name is Michael Nunley from Omen Comics and Revelation Comics. I had a great time on Comics and Pop-Tarts podcast talking about making comics on that long and windy road it takes to make them. I recommend this show to anyone who wants to give a little bit back to the community and for creators maybe learn a little something about making comics.